Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. Welcome to week two of Collective Online. Before I get into today's teaching, I just want to take a few minutes to share some things that have been on my heart this week. This is hard. Not knowing is hard. Life being completely different is hard. Life changing every single day is hard. Not being able to be around people is hard. That's coming from an introvert who plans on practicing some form of social distancing for the rest of my life because I actually think it's awesome. But one thing that's got me through this week is you all. I'm so proud of this church and this community. Last week, over 400 people joined us for church online. We had over 100 people join one of our collectives that met through the online platform called Zoom. In this season of not knowing, the one thing I do know is that collective is going to be okay. To know that we can still be the church, even though everything we do is digital, is a true testament to you all. You make it really easy to be proud of this church. So let's make the best of this season. We're going to keep worshiping and growing together. We're going to keep being a community together. We're going to keep loving Frederick together. Which leads me to the next things that I want to share with you all. As we actively try to figure out how to serve our city, one of the needs that we have recently heard about is with the Frederick Rescue Mission. In case you didn't know, the Frederick Rescue Mission is still fully functioning. There are still men in the Change Life Recovery Program. They're still feeding the community hot meals. They're still providing the community with groceries. But this week they had to cancel their 2020 race, which is a huge source of fundraising for them. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna donate $1,000 to the Frederick Rescue Mission so that they can continue to serve our city. And the reason we can do that is because so many of you trust God and give financially to Collective. As a church, we give away over 10% of our tithes and offerings to church planting and local organizations. And this is one of the ways that we get to love our community because of you, so thank you. Kaylee Wilkes was so proud of herself because she had successfully cared for her succulent for two years. After accidentally killing a similar plant in the past, she was gifted a new one and was determined to keep it alive. She looked up how to care for it properly. She gave it plenty of sunlight. She watered it regularly. She was so committed that when others tried to help her, she became protective, fearing they would overwater her plant and kill it. And it seemed to pay off. The plant always looked amazing. Rejuvenated by her success with the first plant, Wilkes started to accumulate more. Then in late February, she decided it was time to repot her first succulent. And that's when she made the discovery that floored her. The plant was plastic. There were no roots below the surface, only styrofoam. And she said of this discovery that it was heartbreaking. She continued, it was just an overall perfect plant. I had it up in my kitchen window. I put so much love into this plant. She said that she even washed its leaves. She tried its hardest, her hardest to keep it alive and looking its best, but in the end, it was completely plastic. Wouldn't it be nice if our friendships worked this way? Now hear me out. How great would it be if we could invest in our friendships, pour into our friendships, spend time in our friendships, but all the while there's no way that we could actually screw them up. 
right? So if we neglected them or if we forgot about them or if we didn't make them a priority, it would all be okay. Whether we tried really hard or not at all, they always looked like they were thriving. Wouldn't that make friendship a lot easier? But here's the problem. Our friendships are way more like real plants than they are like fake plants. They take time. They take effort, they take energy. And if we invest in them the right way, they grow. But if we choose not to invest in them, they can wither and die. Right now, we're in this series called Intimacy. And we're trying to figure out how to develop deep emotional closeness in this Instagram world. In a world where friendships are based on Facebook. In a world where we only post the highlights of what we want other people to see. In a world where we are more connected than ever, but more alone than ever. And this isn't an anti-social media series. We have social media accounts. We are very thankful for social media because we couldn't do all of this without it. But you have to be aware of how you use social media and how it impacts you. The average American spends two and a half hours a day on a social media platform. And right now we know that that number is definitely climbing. Are you using your time wisely? And here's what I mean by that. Are you mindlessly scrolling through without engaging anyone? Are you searching for people who have different opinions than you on what's going on so you can argue with them? Are you using social media to fulfill your need to gossip and seeking out other people's profiles just so you can see what's going on in their lives? Or are you using it to engage with your friends and your neighbors and your family? to connect with people that you don't otherwise get to connect with, to dig deeper into the communities that you're a part of. A few days ago, an article came out that posed the question, can communities still exist when we can't be around each other? And the article went on to explain that we're at a time in our life where we have two options right now as a society. We can continue to use the internet and social media the way that we've been doing it in the past, which scientifically has proven that it leads to insecurity and frustration and depression and anxiety. Or we can use it how it was intended, to connect people to each other, to build community. And I know that this is tough right now, but I do believe that this season that we're in, because that's exactly what it is, it's a season, however long we are working from home, however long kids are out of school, however long we are unable to be together as a church, this season will either strengthen the friendships you do have because you'll be forced to initiate, forced to make them a priority, forced to invest in them, or you'll go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole that is social media and you will ultimately lead to deeper feelings of loneliness and fear and pain. Now, if you're new to this series or the chaos of life has made you forget what we're talking about, let me catch you up. In week one, we talked about the idea that the most important thing in getting friends is being a good friend. And if I just learn to be a good friend, I will have good friends. Let me give you a few examples of what this looks like right now. Are you reaching out to your friends to see how they're doing? Not just asking them if they're surviving. Are you asking them how they feel in talking about their fears and anxieties and the things that they're wrestling with right now? Are you praying for your friends? Are you being a good friend? Last week, we talked about choosing friends wisely. Jesus had different levels of friendships. He loved everyone, but he had incredibly clear boundaries when it came to to the people in his life. And we talked about Jesus had a crowd, a community, a core, and a crew. And if you took the time to write out those circles last week or in your collective this week and write down the names of people you're friends with, 
You probably realize that there are some friendships, there's some people that you have in your life where you wish those friendships were closer. The opposite is probably true as well, where you realize there are people in circles that you don't really want them there anymore. So that's what we're gonna focus on the next two weeks, how to move people in and out of those circles. And we're gonna start today by learning how to invest in the friendships and the relationships that you currently have and how to move people from the outer circles closer and closer in. So what I'd love for you to do is open up the notes app on your phone, grab a pen and a notebook. If you have one, you can take screenshots during this if you'd like. But we're gonna learn today, how do we move people from crowd to community, from community to core and from core to crew? The first way that we do that is to invest in honor. We talked a little bit about honor last week, but I wanna dig deeper into this idea. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Now, honor means to treat someone as if they are uncommon. Dishonor, the opposite, means to treat someone as if they're common, which kind of sounds harsh, but that's what we tend to do. We tend to treat people as if they're common. But what would our friendships look like if we decided to treat people with honor, right? As if they're uncommon and important and unique and special. And what if we chose to honor people above ourselves, like the author of the book of Romans suggests? In other words, my first thought when having a conversation with you isn't going to be what's in it for me, right? It's going to be, how can I honor someone else? How can I show them that I believe that they're uncommon? How can I make my friends feel like they're not just another person in my life? How can I respond to the people in my community in a way that makes them feel heard and cared for? How can I interact with my neighbors in a way that makes them feel like that we aren't just people who park next to each other in a parking lot? You invest in honor, I saw a BuzzFeed article the other day uh, that had 24 pictures of people panic shopping, which was really just pictures that show how people are really focused on themselves right now. And I'm sure that you've seen pictures go viral on Facebook right now where people are pushing carts through uh, shopping uh, areas with rolls and rolls and rolls of toilet paper, right? There's, there's pictures of Wegmans, and there's pictures of Walmart, and they just have hundreds of rolls of toilet paper. And this article had its fair share of those, but there are also a number of pictures where people had shopping carts full of milk. And there were like multiple pictures of this. And in one of them, someone had a shopping cart and they had 30 gallons of milk. And it made me wonder, like, do they know that milk goes bad? And for those of you sitting there going, you can freeze it. You, you don't have enough room in your freezer for 30 gallons of milk. Another picture was a shopping cart with over 600 eggs in it. One guy had 100 pounds of bird seed, which I thought was weird, but then it made me wonder if he knew something that I didn't know, and I felt the urge to stock up on bird seed. I didn't, though. You don't have to worry about that. My favorite picture, though, was of an older woman who went to Costco and only bought two bottles of whiskey. And I remember, I thought, man, I wish that person was my grandma because I think she's doing the self-quarantine thing right. But as I scrolled through the pictures, I laughed at a few of them. To be honest, I got super pissed at a few of them. But what it made me realize is that there is a lack of honor being shown right now. And the reason why is because we're treating everyone in our lives, everyone in, in our cities and everyone in our states as if they're a part of the crowd instead of treating them as if they're a part of our community. And I understand that we don't know everyone in our city. We don't know any, everyone in our neighborhoods, but maybe right now is a time where we invest in honor, when we treat people as uncommon. And so we can move people from what ends up being the crowd and think of them as community. Let's take this a step further because I know what some of you are thinking right now. What if they don't deserve to be treated as common? 
right? Because of how they act toward me or toward other people, because of what they say on social media, because they only care about themselves and, and don't show anyone else a shred of honor. What if they don't deserve it? And I get that. Like I struggle with that idea a lot, but honor isn't based on someone's conduct. It's based on your character. Honor isn't based on someone's conduct. It's based on your character. So when you dishonor, it says more about your character than it does their conduct, right? I might not like how some people choose to live or what they say or the decisions that they make, but I can show honor to them because it's not based on what their actions are. It's based on my character. So I want to be a person who invests in honor. I want to treat people as uncommon. I want to treat people as valuable. I want to lift people up. I want to encourage people no matter what circle they are in in my life. So we invest in honor. The second thing we do is we invest in grace. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, I love what Peter is saying here. He's teaching us that the way we invest in grace is to serve others. So often we use the word steward or stewardship in regard to money. All the people in financial peace who have done that class before know exactly what I'm talking about. But Peter tells us that we need to be good stewards of the gifts that we have received. We need to take care of and use wisely what God has given us, our abilities, our talents, our resources. Because when we use them to serve others, people experience the grace of God. And God's grace is the greatest gift we can offer the world. Grace is life-changing and life-giving. Grace doesn't make demands, it just gives. Grace is recklessly generous. Grace doesn't keep score. Grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming to you that has nothing to do with you. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. Philip Yancey wrote in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, that the world can do everything better than the church except offer grace. Grace is the one thing that the church has that the world doesn't. And the one thing that the world craves above all else. For only grace can bring hope and transformation to a jaded world. And our world could use a little more grace right now. And Peter says that one of the ways that we bring that into our circles, one of the ways we bring grace into the circles that are in our life and into our relationships is by serving others. And I know that's really hard right now. Typically, this is when I would tell you to check the box on your connection card about joining the team. And the truth is you can still do that. So when we get back together, you can be a part of the amazing group of people that make collective happen on a Sunday morning. Uh, you can head to mycollective.church online and fill out a digital connection card if you like. But right now, it looks different. How do we serve people right now? Here are a few examples just from people that go to collective. One of our teachers shared this week that if a parent needs help when it comes to teaching their kids while they're out of school, that she would love to be a resource for them. We've, I've seen social workers and counselors offer up their time for people who are struggling with mental health but are unable to get out of the house and go talk to someone. I've seen people offer up their home for free daycare to parents who are working right now. And this would feel small under normal circumstances, but I've watched as people have posted on Facebook about grocery needs and others have gone out of their way while shopping to pick up things for their friends and their neighbors. This is how you grow your relationships. And this isn't about earning anything. It isn't even about deserving anything. It's simply about serving one another and investing in grace. And so the last thing that you can do is this. The last thing is to invest in love. 
Check out what Jesus says in Mark 12. In this story, someone asked Jesus what the most important commandment is. And they're asking him, of all the rules that exist, which one matters the most? And this is a big question because in the Old Testament, there are over 600 commandments. But this is what Jesus says in Mark 12. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And this is Christianity summed up in one sentence. Love God, love people. Now we all come from different backgrounds, so we might have a different understanding of love, but the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. So that's what we're gonna look at for a definition of love. First Corinthians 13, it's called the love chapter. You've probably heard it read at weddings before. If you're married, it was probably read at your wedding. But it isn't just about marriage, it's about love. Paul writes that love is patient. Am I patient with my friends? Love is kind. Am I kind and gentle in the way that I interact with people? Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I can tell you right now that I do not do this well. But this means that I don't continue to hold my friends hostage because of mistakes they made a year ago or 10 years ago because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't find fault. I don't let my insecurities find a problem or an underlying issue every time my friends don't meet my expectations. Love doesn't do that. So Jesus says, love God with everything you've got and love people in the same way that you love yourself. And I think uh, it would totally make more sense. And I'm going to tell, if I, you know, when I get to see Jesus one day, I'm going to tell him this. But I think it would totally make more sense if Jesus would have said to love your neighbors the way that you love God. Right? Because the truth is, that sounds more spiritual. Right? Doesn't that sound better? Love others the way that you love God. It sounds more theological. But he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you spent any time in church, you might have heard this verse, love your neighbor as yourself, tied to physical needs. I've heard a lot of pastors read this verse, then ask the questions, do you feed yourself? Do you clothe yourself? Do you shelter yourself? And I do think those are a big piece of it. You make sure that your basic needs are met. So the truth is you should make sure the basic needs of other people are met as well. But I think it goes deeper than that. I think this has more to do with self-image than our physical needs. Think about it. Do you love yourself? Like seriously, think about it. Do you love yourself? If you had to answer that question right now, what would you say? Yes, but. Yes, but I, but I don't like the way I let my anger get the best of me. Yes, but I wish I could get rid of this addiction. Yes, but I don't like the way that I can't say no to people. Right, we would say yes, but. Do you love yourself? Let me say this another way. Do you love yourself the way that God loves you? Because the truth is some of us can't love other people because we don't actually love ourselves. And we don't love ourselves because we don't believe that we're lovable because we've never realized God's love for us. So let me show you how much God loves you. Romans 5. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Paul says, while we were still sinners, this means that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your crap together. You don't even have to believe in God to be loved by him. John 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's no greater love than the love of Jesus who willingly gave up his life for you. Right? It's a selfless type of love that puts others first. John three sixteen, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, God's love is never ending. God's love is vast. It's unconditional. It's permanent. 
It's poured out for us. It comes before we love him. It stays with us when we fall short and it gives us life. Here's the truth. You have a creator and when he created you, he looked at you and said, this is very good. And even though we've turned our backs on him, even though we struggle to trust him, even though we don't live the way that he wants us to, God says, because I love you, because you have worth as my creation, I will go so far as to send my own son to die for you so you can be drawn back to me. And that shows me how much I'm worth. I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of grace. God says I'm worth everything because he gave it all so that I could be in a relationship with him. He redeemed me. He forgave me. He gives me endless second chances. He gives me freedoms. He loves you. And it isn't a yes, but. It's simply yes. And when we understand that love, when we accept that love, when we choose to live in that love, that helps us love other people. Because when I was unlovely, he loved me. And even as I have moments of being unlovable, his love is never ending. When I realize the love God has for me, then and only then can I love others well. So for many of you today, this will help you be a better friend. But for some of you, the bigger thing is is finally accepting the love of Christ that's being offered to you. It's free. It's unconditional. There are no strings attached. And the way we celebrate that at Collective, the way we celebrate people saying yes to the unconditional love of Jesus is through baptism. Baptism means to be immersed in water and it symbolizes the death and burial of your old self and the resurrection, the raising up of your new self in a new life that Jesus offers. And the truth is, even though things are different right now, you shouldn't let that stop you from taking that step. Just because we can't be together doesn't mean that you shouldn't embrace what Jesus is offering you. Our staff right now is working very hard to figure out how to baptize three people who are waiting. In fact, it's supposed to happen this weekend. And we're trying to figure out how to do it, but this shouldn't stop you from saying yes to what Jesus is offering, saying yes to his love and saying yes to his grace. We will figure out how to do it. And if you're ready, just fill out the connection card and check off baptism because we'd love to have a conversation with you this week. Don't let what's going on in the world stop you from accepting what Jesus wants to give you. So we invest in love. And Jesus calls us to love others in the same way we love ourselves. And and the thing is, there isn't really a loophole for that, right? And some of us think I love them because I don't hate them. Because we think that hate is the opposite of love, but it's not. The opposite of love is indifference. So when I'm indifferent toward you, then I don't love you, right? You don't hate your boss. Some of you do hate your boss, but most of you don't hate your boss, but you don't go out of your way to always be patient and kind and not keep a record of wrong. When you are indifferent, you are not loving. When you are indifferent toward your spouse, you are not loving. When you are indifferent toward your friends, toward your kids, toward your neighbor, toward your community, to the people around you, when you see a need that you could meet and you refuse to meet it, that's indifference and that's not loving. I know that you're arguing with me and you're thinking, you don't know the people in my life. You don't know the people I work with. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know the pain that they've caused. You don't know how unlovable they are. And you're right. I don't know how hard it is for you to love the people in your life, but I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that it doesn't take work. Jesus never said it would be easy. Jesus never promised that loving people as ourselves would be simple or smooth or perfect. In fact, he promises quite the opposite. He says it will be messy It will be complicated. 
It'll bring frustration. But the example we follow is Jesus. Because when Jesus was put up on a cross to be crucified, he said to God, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The very people whose hatred put Jesus on a cross were the very people who was asking God to forgive. That isn't easy, but it's loving. So the bottom line is this. If you want to invest in your relationships, if you want your friendships to grow, if you want to know how to move people closer to the center of your circles, imitate Jesus. Jesus shows honor. Jesus offers grace. Jesus loves you. And Jesus shows us honor. He thinks you're uncommon, unique, special, worthy. This is definitely not based on our own conduct because we certainly don't deserve it, but it's based on his character. Jesus extends grace to us. And grace means there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He does not give us what we deserve. He gives us something better, a relationship with him. And Jesus loves us. He loves us at a level in which we will never fully understand. He gave up his own life for us. He showed us the ultimate act of love when he died to pay the debt that our sin creates so that that if we choose to accept him as our leader, when we put our faith in him, when we are baptized, he gives us eternity and a relationship with him than when there isn't anything greater in the world than that. So that's what we as people in this community, in this city, in this state, need to bring into our relationships. Let's pray. God, thank you that... um, that ultimately we don't have to figure out how to do relationships on our own. God, that we can look at the example that you gave us of how how you honor us, how you give us grace, how you love us, even though, God, we know that we don't deserve it. Um, Because, God, we've turned our backs on you. Uh, We've walked away from you. Uh, We've denied you. Um, But still you offer those things to us. So, God, I I pray right now, um, God, I pray every day, but specifically right now in the season that we're in, that we choose to be people who show honor and grace and love to the crowds, to the community, to our core, to our crew, to the people in our life, God, so that they can experience you. God, ultimately give us opportunities this week to figure out in the circumstances that we're in, with the tools that we have, to invest in our friendships, to invest in our relationships, to invest in the people around us, But ultimately, God, we we pray uh, through this week and through everything that's going on that the way that we love other people in this city uh, and in our neighborhoods and in our own home, God, we pray that it points people to you. God, thank you that you loved us first, that you extended grace to us first, that you honored us first. God, I pray that we can feel that this week and we can rest in that this week and that can give us hope this week. God, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.